Hello and welcome everyone to the Psychom JC podcast, your one-stop shop for effective and impactful science communication approaches. Today we have uh, behind the mics Sherry, Heather, and we have not one but two special guests. Marie unfortunately is traveling, so she'll be joining us next time. Hi guys! Hi! Hello! Hello! So, before we start, I would like to wish the Psychom JC a happy birthday because it's our one year birthday. Uh, the team has somewhat changed, but the idea behind this uh, activity is important. So, yay, we're one and we're celebrating with two friends behind the mics uh, because there's no birthday without friends. We have Nico and we have Andrea from Latino Labs, a Twitter profile that is uh, one of our honorable mentions from State Your Mission Challenge. So, Sherry, just like we used to do in previous episodes with our other special guests, why don't you tell us shortly how come Nico and Andrea uh, became basically honorable mentions and are here aside of the birthday cake? Sure. Yeah, uh, first of all, again, uh, happy birthday to us. <laughs> now, um, beginning of this year, we decided to invite the scientific community to develop a mission statement. And we kind of made it into a fun contest. And um, we had lots of wonderful submissions. And we, our group just divided the mission statements and then we um, divided the work and then we reviewed mission statements and each of us chose the top three that we really liked and the criteria had a number of criteria, uh, clarity, conciseness, and also the um, novelty of the approach. Uh, we did choose a winner and then we also um, had three honorable mentions because there just there was just too many awesome ones. <laughs> and uh, Latino Labs was one of them, and I especially, and I think we all, especially loved their mission statement because it was just so concise and well-written. And of course, what they are um, doing is amazing, uh, which is the discussion of diversity in, in science. So um, we invited our honorable mentions for a podcast interview and uh, here we are. We're excited to have um, Nico and Andrea here. Yes. What is the, how large is your team? Um, so Nico here, happy birthday to you guys. Um, <laughs> Thanks. And um, hopefully one day we'll also have a birthday of our own. <laughs> so right now our team, um, our, our team started with just Andrea and I, and then we quickly grew uh, to recruit all other young uh, Latinx scientists and engineers to help us out. So right now, in the episodes that we have put out in, and the episodes we have recorded but not put out, um, we have about six people that have participated on a regular basis um, and a little bit of a larger network of support that go, you know, 10, 20 people that could help us out in, in any way, either by editing or providing, you know, feedback um, or, or by supporting us on patreon.com. So yeah, I would say our, our, our core team is about six people now. That's great. So what do you guys keep yourselves busy with most of the times? Yeah, so uh, most of us are grad students. Nico's a postdoc. So we, um, <laughs> we do research most of the day, I guess. That, that takes a lot of time, I suppose. 
yeah, I think that's probably the main activity of 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 most of our most of our team. Um, there's other. So technically, I'm not I'm no longer a postdoc, Andrea. I keep on I keep on really? trying. Really, that's new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, cool. But yeah, we we all work in research in in some shape or form. So we have to have postdocs and grad students. So research is definitely the main the main activity in the main, in different areas. But um, I guess we also do other things. Um, sometimes like climbing oh, yeah. hiking. Like hobbies? oh yeah 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 like hobbies a lot of i think climbing is pretty common dance yeah <laughs> yeah climbing and dance is probably pretty common climbing because we're in boulder um colorado and this is definitely a climbing capital so <laughs> everybody ends up climbing after spending here a couple of years for sure yeah. Nice. Is any one of your team's research uh, is actually in the area of what your um, Latino Labs activities in, in diversity in research? Or is that something that you're just passionate about and it's separate entirely from, from your research work? I think it's separate. Um, most of us are just in, in like physics or chemistry. So it's really just something that we're interested in and getting yeah. to help with that. And and I think this is a good point to also kind of talk a little bit about what Latino Labs is. Um, so 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 yeah, as Andrea was saying, like we we don't we're not researchers in education or researcher in like understanding like diversity in STEM or the impact. We all are um, usually yeah researchers in different topics. Like I did you know developing new uh, tools to be able to study nanoscale phenomena. Uh, we have two uh, physical chemists, right? focus on on more mm -hmm. nanoscale chemistry right andrea i got yeah. that right not organic chemists we don't have any organic <laughs> chemists in our team yet uh we have one astrophysicist um another thermal transport physicist and a high energy um physicist as well <laughs> um and we have been talking about potentially expanding to to other sciences to social sciences and humanities but right now we're very focused there and this is something, I guess our, the topic of Latino Labs is really the humanity of doing science and how science is done by a very diverse crowd that is often not visible. So, 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 so very often, um, and, and I guess this is part of what we wrote in the, in the, um, in that, in the state, uh, state your mission um, kind of statement. Very often when we look at media, scientists are portrayed um, very much in the same way, like, you know, uh, white lab coats, um, white men, usually above 50. And, but it turns out that there's a lot of diverse scientists doing a lot of great work and usually they're just not portrayed in media. So Latino labs, uh, the idea was to talk about the humanity of doing science. So not just the results, um, but, but what goes behind the results, you know, the mistakes, the, the frustration, the work that goes behind um, as well as like some jobs that are sometimes not um, kind of uh, celebrated as they should that make uh, research in STEM um, possible. And the idea is then to produce short episodes um, that were bilingual. So actually each episode comes both in English and Spanish on our large Latino Labs episodes. Mm -hmm. On our Cafe Con Science episodes, they're just right now in English. But the idea is that we also provide high quality content in both Spanish and English and they're not translation of each other. They're actually two different episodes on the same topic, but the, the co-hosts are different. That's awesome. Um, but we, yeah, we really wanted to, to highlight the humanity and the people behind the science and show how uh, we are a very diverse crowd and we sometimes just are not, are not as visible as we should. Mm. 
Yeah, and on the note of the humanity of science, um, on top of having that image of science and the white lab coat and stuff, it's also often just kind of, here's a really cool result that a group worked on and now they're really successful. And they don't usually tell you about the years of struggling and like the day-to-day -day things that they had yeah. to do to get to there. True. Well, so we had you guys at a Twitter chat recently, which uh, our listeners can also go back to our Twitter account and still uh, follow the discussion because it's still there. But basically the gist is that uh, we picked a paper that was called How Diversity Matters in the US Science and Engineering Workforce. And it was talking exactly about uh, what, what you guys are interested in as well, the, the diversity in scientific and engineering teams. And um, do you do you want to share some of the most interesting points that were made during that discussion? Did you get to hear from our Twitter followers something that you didn't expect or something that um, brought a different perspective to what you're doing or gave you ideas? Uh, so I guess that there are many questions in that question. <laughs> so. <laughs> So to start the article, I, I thought the article was interesting, but you know, as as a, I guess as somebody that had scared um, on diversity in STEM workforce for a while, I, I found uh, most of the findings, you know, kind of intuitive or, or or in line with other other findings that I had I had done. I think it was cool because the paper was really like looking at a. Uh, you know, the different studies in general and trying to kind of explain um, kind of some of the discrepancies, which some of them uh, in the studies, which which some of them just, just come from the fact that different people have different definition of diversity. So there's diversity in disciplines, there's diversity in cultural background, there's diversity in, um, uh, you know, racial identity, gender identity, etc. So depending on how you define it, you couldn't just compare one study to the other. So I thought thought the article did a pretty good job at doing that. And and I think that 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 led to a pretty good discussion. From the discussions we had in the in the, the during the Twitter chat, um, I think I was very, I guess, gladly surprised to see that some of the misconceptions that I think people might have of how the scientific organization works. Um, are actually true. So, so very often, as Andrea was saying, like it's presented as like you know scientists know what they're doing. They design a process, and they're like, oh, we need to go to A, and in order to do that, we need to do the experiment B, and they just do the experiment, and they get the results, right? And and how like that is not at all how it works. <laughs> and explaining how much you know professors have to manage their teams, and you have to build people's skills, and it's more like a um, apprenticeship and how there is frustration, but also how there's a lot of failures and trying and going back and forth and how open, like your um, hypotheses were, were not right. And then so so I thought one of the the the, the Twitter um, discussions that was interesting was from somebody with a military background, kind of um, commenting on the fact that he he had the impression that he was very disorganized um, compared to like a military organization. Um, and then I thought that was a very interesting comment because, I mean, I think in, in some way he's right. And in some way, I think that um, some of the actual structure kind of tries to mirror that where like there is like the PI is kind of the, the, the sergeant of <laughs> that unit and then they need to go for in different ways. But if you don't have a good manager, then like you're not as productive and you're not as happy. Anyway, so I thought that particular discussion was pretty, was pretty interesting. Um, 
but yeah, what about you, Andrea? I was actually also thinking about him, um, <laughs> but there was a, there were a few other comments about um, managing being of a different background in a predominantly kind of white field, which it still is um, predominantly that way, and managing that. And I don't know, there were there were some comments about how it's a little discouraging and then you have to kind of learn to adapt to it. Um, and that kind of made me sad. I think one person said that they felt like they had to be less feminine and that, that's, I don't know, that's, that made me sad more than anything, but it, it is true. Like you do feel kind of this pressure to look like what you think scientists look like. Mm. I think this article, uh, this is Heather, by the way. Um, so I just wanted to jump into this just discussion just briefly. Um, so when I read this paper, the focus, of course, was really on gender and racial diversity as sort of being like the hallmarks of what, quote unquote, diversity stands for. Um, and so I thought that that was kind of a, I guess, a really limited viewpoint because like what you guys had said, Nico, um, you had talked about the humanity of doing science. You know, there's a wealth of different things that would, I think, lend itself to diversity, whether it's diversity of experiences, whether it's just the area of study, and that includes everything from humanities, social sciences, all the way through the applied sciences, um, that lend itself to what would be considered kind of, a, in this article, what they talked about, like the intellectual diversity or that intellectual diverse capacity. Um, and so I think that when we talk about diversity, the first issue is, what the heck do we mean by diversity? Because I think there's a number of different things that fall into that, that depending on what the interests are and what the goals are with creating a diverse team, that you might have, you know, different factors might weigh more than others, depending on, again, whatever the goals are. And so I'm going to uh, jump to Sherry, um, because actually we talked a little bit about this. We did a Twitter poll um, before our Twitter chat earlier this month. Um, and we kind of talked a little bit about different aspects of diversity. So Sherry, I, I would love to hear more about the Twitter poll. Yes, that, that was very interesting. The outcome of the poll and the comments that we had from people all over from Twitter was very interesting. So um, we set up a poll and asked people, what is the most aspect of diversity that, that is most relevant to you? And we list uh, racial, gender, cultural and ideological diversity. Um, so people, we had over 2,000 people. The most interesting thing about the poll was the comments that we received from people from all over the spectrum. We had some people that, um, for lack of a better categorization, from left or right, just by the way they were talking. So we had people that were just judging by their comments and their what they stated on their profile, they were strictly pure um, scientific side of the argument saying that this is ridiculous what you're asking. Uh, diversity uh, shouldn't matter in science. The only thing that matters is reason, experimentation, and results. And I thought, wow. And there will be had so many comments on that regard. So, and this kind of highlights the fact that how important it is to have that conversation about diversity in science and why it matters so much to help those people understand. And then on the other end of the spectrum, which you would 
you know, again, for lack of a better categorization on the right, they were saying, well, no, uh, diversity doesn't really matter because this is just a um, political tool by the left to get whatever they want and uh, it doesn't really matter and things like that. So again, on the other end of the spectrum, it highlights the fact how important it is to have this discussion. Um, and then we also had some people in the middle who understood that really diversity about uh, the culture and uh, specifically ideological um, and also racial and other aspects are so important. And it, um, it became clear that it really we need to start these discussions and actually hammer it out through continuous discussions because I had some conversations with people that participated on both left and the right and after we uh, sort of talked a little bit they were able to see how diversity is important. Um, so it, it was fascinating, fascinating, well, fascinating, um, fascinating paper and I also had other people in other realms of the, uh, the world. I have some I had a student who used to be my student and she's in marketing and she got interested in our topic because she said we're having the same issues in a marketing team because uh, it's true that my company is building a diverse team but since the diverse people don't have any power it doesn't really make any difference which was the point of the paper. So I have a question uh, for this is really for everybody. Um, but I wanted to, to talk a little bit more about what ideological diversity means and ultimately, like how do we define that? I guess is kind of the first question. And what does that actually mean in science? Because I think this is something that is sort of uncharted territory at this point. No, I think that, yeah, it's, it's funny how we, we like to ignore the fact that we're people and we have to work with other people, um, even as scientists who might think like, you'd remember that because it's not, it's really not just about, I don't, you don't work in a vacuum. You don't work by yourself on a project by yourself usually and have completely independent um, power to make decisions, to steer a project, to get funding. You have to work with so many people constantly to get anything done, either because directly on the project you were on with various people or because you have to work with funding agencies or a department or something like that. There's just so many people involved that like the idea that you don't have to think about how to best interact with everyone. It's a little foreign to me. It, it'd be weird to say, I, I don't know why we have to think about this because there's just too many people involved. You have to, I don't know. That's my take on it. Yeah. So yeah. And then thank you uh, for, 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 that, that great discussion because I had left that, that, that whole part of the paper out, how inclusion without, um, you know, a diverse team without inclusion and without really um, having a diverse crowd have a say and have agency inside your organization, like wouldn't, wouldn't actually impact as much as you would think. Um, and then once you, once you break it down, then it makes sense, right? Like if you have a diverse team, but you don't let them use their diversity of, of thought or of uh, perspectives, then, then of course it doesn't work. Um, I thought that the paper was interesting because they, they 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 made that point very careful. They went with uh, 
they were very uh, strategic about how they presented the information in the sense that I think almost everybody would agree, like, sure, like diversity of, um, um, you know, for me, like uh, disciplines um, tends to have a better outcome. And that seems like it doesn't really go against anybody's kind of preconceived uh, notions of the world. Right. And then, and then once if they, if, if people do agree with that, which, you know, again, there were citing many studies that did like very conclusively show that, um, then how well people from different backgrounds and walks of life tend to have very diverse uh, both disciplines and experiences and, and points of view. And therefore, you should expect the same outcome. Um, and if anything, you should even enhance it. Um, and I think that that's a, a step that once you, you, you acknowledge the, the results of the first one, um, it should be easier for people to see that that's very obvious. So, so Andrea was saying, like, we work at, at Jilla, um and, and I work now at Strobe, which are research centers, which talk very often about this as, a, as something we need. We need more perspectives because the very successful projects that the centers have had and Chile have seen Nobel Prizes uh, in the last like 20 years, our, our, our projects were, were this diversity of thought and like working in teams is what makes a project successful. Um, so, so this is something that is definitely talked about, um, perhaps, perhaps not enough, but, but at least um, I have seen it being talked about more and more often um, among like researchers. Um, yeah. So that's the part where like, um, again, as you say, it depends on how you define it. So I think that's very important when, when anybody's going to talk about diversity in science, you need to be careful about what you mean with that. Right. Um, and so very often, you know, uh, especially in the U S context, um, it means about, uh, it means they, they usually uh, talk about increasing the representation of, you know, underrepresented groups in science compared to the U S population. Right. So, uh, women scientists and uh, uh, African-American scientists and Native American scientists and Latinx scientists um, and the intersection of, of all those. Now, really, usually um, organizations will try to have a broader um, kind of net and say, like, also, we want first generation and try to bridge the rural uh, urban divide, which is another kind of diversity, which I think is, is important. And then if you expand to the international context, you need to talk about other things. Um, now, all of those things, because of the different cultural backgrounds, they will end up giving different perspectives and flavors to people's views on science. Uh, now, to go to go to your ideological diversity, so that, now it depends on what what you call you know ideology, like political ideology, religious ideology. Because, for example, there is a pretty wide uh, religious diversity in in the researchers in natural science in the U.S. at least. Um, Coming from from other countries, like the U.S., actually has a fair amount um, of uh, very religious and active scientists, and I don't I don't see any incompatibility at all. But I f I find that to be actually refreshing and, and nice. Like there's people from from kind of um, a little bit everywhere. So I was gonna say, um, you know, just I mean, in my my universe, I'm a political scientist by training. Um, so ideology, of course, is most commonly understood as sort of where um, someone's position is in regards to like the liberalism, conservatism, um, I guess spectrum, if you want to think about it that way. Um, and so that was kind of I think what 
I guess for me, when I read ideological diversity, like, you know, on Twitter poll, that's how I defined it. But I didn't know in the political aspect, because we sort of started talking about that with um, Inside ComJC, it's sort of, is there room for political ideology, a range of things? Because I, I think sometimes, you know, scientists and science in general kind of gets, you know, placed as a, as a liberal um, elite you know, kind of thing. And so it tends to be something that, you know, is sort of, a, has been coined a liberal thing. But I didn't know on the political end of stuff, you know, is there room for, for people who are maybe, you know, moderate Republicans, maybe, you know, slightly more conservative? I mean, wait. Yes, because uh, the reason uh, what was on my mind that sometimes uh, obviously things don't come across, I feel the need uh, for conversation um, about science and important scientific topics from people of different ideological diversities because when people's ideology is different uh, they people tend to listen to other people who are from the same ideology as them and as far as science communication and its effectiveness is concerned it is good to have that kind of diversity to make that connection like miko said to the um you earlier said about reaching out to the rural community and things like that. And a good example of it is Catherine Hayhoe in the climate change uh, community. The, in the rural areas and more evangelical Christian um, areas of, let's say, Texas, um, if you watch documentaries, you, you will see that people don't usually listen to scientists because they just refuse to listen to them. But Catherine Hayhoe, she's an evangelical scientist. And when she went and gave a talk about climate change as someone that is from the same faith, now they started to listen. And actually, if you watch the interviews, um, one person said, well, I'm willing to listen to her because she shares my ideology. She's an evangelical Christian like me. So I'm willing to listen to her. So that's what I meant by ideological diversity. And also with respect to um, implementing scientific solutions. So we develop technologies and understandings of life and biology and whatever. And at some point that turns into an application of that science. And in order to properly apply it in different in society, in different segments of the society, it really requires understanding of different types of people um, to which that would apply. So that was my thinking. There's sort of two aspects to diversity. I mean, of course, the first issue is that we have to figure out what it is we all mean by it. Um, so I think that's, <laughs> that's something, you know, that's sort of an evolving process. But it's interesting that you mentioned what you mentioned, Sherry, because it seems like you know, we first started by talking about diversity as sort of part of the scientific process. And so diversity in general, whether it's ideological, socioeconomic, gender, you know, racial, what, whatever your, you know, kind of, you know, aspect of diversity it is that you're interested in could lead potentially to different research questions as being of interest, maybe even different approaches to addressing those questions, um, you know, based just on worldview perspectives, experiences, and whatnot. And then the second part of that, though, Sherry, is that you started talking about outcomes from this stuff. And so, you know, from a science communication perspective, how does the public build trust or build relationships or, or be interested in you know certain scientific findings or interested in the work of specific scientists potentially and the question is is it because you know somehow they're they're finding something that 
relates to them that they say, okay, yeah, this person's like me. Therefore, it sort of builds that trust and it sort of breaks down some barriers there that might normally be there otherwise. And so there's sort of two parts to, I think, the diversity argument, the first being the process part and the second being the outcomes part. Um, I just wanted to say that I, I do think, for example, there, there's a, there is a fair amount of diversity in political ideology. Like I've, all across my grad school, I've had very interesting discussions and um, definitely people that do not think like me uh, or don't agree with me. And we have very interesting um, arguments, which is, which is I, I really enjoy uh, actually political discussion and, and the discussing of economic approaches and, and, and things like that. So I've had a pretty good time here in the US now. Um, there's another issue about people voting or not voting, but um, I do think that, that science has kind of, uh, in the media, has been cornered perhaps, and because um, a lot of scientific agencies and scientific organizations have been trying to push this idea that has science is nonpartisan, and therefore scientists, while doing science, um, don't have the political ideology doesn't come in place. Now you could think that in the experiments I can work with somebody from another like ideology, and and then we work fine, which I think is true. Um, and I think that that I think the the nonpartisan kind of uh, hopes of like agencies like NSF and DOE is very important, and then they need to to make sure that the science is is nonpartisan, doesn't favor one party over another. Now the problem is when when nonpartisan results or approaches like climate change um, get politicized, um, and then you you know you can go back and then try to see, try to understand why and who and how, etc. Um, and then place the blame wherever you want. I think the blame is a little bit everywhere. But I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of that example that you gave about the the that person that 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 the evangelical um, scientist that went to talk to the people. I think like there's a lot there, uh, there there's a lot about um, sure like you know people are more willing to um, listen if it's somebody from the same background. But I think it's also they're more willing to listen if they feel like they're being respected. And I think that a lot of psychom goes from, I need to tell you, and I'm going to break down this very complicated thing because like, you're not smart. Like you need to understand this thing, you know, and this is not what we want to do. Right. But like, it has to come from an understanding that you respect them. Like you can see that their point of view is reasonable within the context that those people grew up or like these people are in which very often it is like you know you, you so so for example how many scientists do you know that go give talks in churches right so we starting I, i'm joining this list of people here that i'm like of course we need to go that's where communities are and then of course if you don't go talk you, you if you refuse to even go to the place that they they call their community center then then of course he's not respecting them. So I think that that as scientists, like we do, there there is a problem of this ivory tower, which I don't like the term, but there is a problem of like we think we have the higher moral ground. Um, and I think that that going and if if we want to communicate with people is no long not only showing that we are like them, but also showing that that we can respect and and then go to their spaces as well. I agree with you fully. I, I think that, yeah, come to where people actually are congregating is really important. But I think the first question before we even get to that point, though, is how do you sort of establish some sort of uh, trust um, between people who may not necessarily be comfortable with the idea of scientists 
um, in general or, you know, uncomfortable with just, you know, where they don't have the knowledge or they're just uncomfortable with science because of how it's been portrayed in the media or how, you know, their community and the people around them think about or talk about science in general. And so I think that that's really important, um, you know, in a way where if people do see somebody that, you know, there's something about the person, it's, you know, themselves that reflects that, that community that they're talking to, that shared identity aspect, I think is really, really powerful. And that sort of helps to break down the barrier to then have that ongoing conversation and build those relationships. Um, again, in the space, like you said, Nico, um, where everybody actually is congregating. But I think that there's sort of like a first thing that you have to check off and that's that, you know, piece of, you know, are you something like me? Do I have something in common with you um, to be able to break down some of those barriers? Um, otherwise, it's sort of just a, it's a non-starter. Uh, you know, if somebody feels like, wow, you're just totally foreign to me, I'm out. Um, and so, so I think that there's sort of a process here when we talk about these things in science communication and building connections between the public. And I think diversity, that's where, um, you know, from, from the perspective, is really, really important. Um, is representing the people that you're really trying to talk to, even if it's in some very small way, whether it's, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm a scientist that is a Christian, and I'm speaking to a lot of Christians, or something like that, you know what I mean? So I just, I think there's a process there, and I, I think that, you know, science communication in general probably hasn't laid that out necessarily, um, but there, all of these different topics really speak to that. So that was my comment. <laughs> uh yeah, can I make just a very, very, very quick comment? I think, I think, I, think, I do think it's a, it's a good tool. And of course, you know, Latino labs, we make sure that we have Latinx scientists represented in our, in our, in our podcast. And, and part of that is to provide also like, you know, to show that there are role models out there that are successful in STEM. Um, and, you know, it, it is definitely a, a good tool to connect with Latinx um, people around. I think there's just a danger in like siloing too much and also putting too much pressure on like, you know, because there's a thing like if there's not, if there is, for example, a religious minority, it's the same thing that happens to like racial minorities. Then you have to be responsible to communicate to your group because you're the only one from that group. So I think there's a danger of putting too much pressure on, you know, Christian scientists or evangelical Christian scientists or, 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 or you know, I, I think there's a danger of just focusing on that. But I do agree that it is a very powerful first step. Um, to connect to your community, but I, I do think that if if you if you respect and you try to kind of connect to that community and talk to them and and listen and try to see how your science can be relevant for them, or or you know I think that that can be even more powerful, but takes more time. Yeah. Aside, this is Sherry. Aside from um, having people to um, from the same community to go as a scientist or science communicator to go to those communities. Um, having a diversity of people in your science communication or science team is important because they can give you a window to a world, to the perspective of people that you want to communicate mm -hmm. with. And this is something we value, really high value as Psychom JC and exactly why I wish Mark was here. This is exactly why we invited Mark to join our team. Um, we just love the fact that he can bring us perspective of the rural American community, the community from the, um, the veteran um, uh, point of view. He's, we always listen to him and he has always so much valuable insight to provide. So in addition to um, 
to perspective of, and I agree with you, Nicole, we shouldn't put pressure on people to say, okay, they are your people, you go talk to them. But you can <clears throat> leverage your diverse team in order to better understand people uh, that have different points of view from it. And we just, uh, yeah, yeah we really you. value having, I wish he was here um, uh, in our team. And I, uh, we also look to add more people of various diverse thought and background. I think that's team. really important. And, and I agree, you know, with you both, Sherry and Nico, that it's not about like, you know, okay, you are, you know, one of this group, so you're now responsible, but it's about just that initial like touch point, that very, very first impression of sort of just getting in. So I agree, you know, Sherry, with what you're saying about kind of a, a window or, or again, it's, it's creating that connection just on the front end. It's not like that's an ongoing thing, but that is like the touch point where you go, okay, um, you know, we are, you know, you build that relationship just on the very, very front end. And then once you start building that trust, once you start getting some traction within that community, and of course, then it opens up to other people, other views, because now you've got people that are actually interested in listening and learning and not just kind of shutting it down on the front end. So that was my comment just previously. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't to say that like, you know, all of us, you know, diverse scientists are responsible for our diverse communities, um, you know, carte blanche but it's just it's really about just that creating that initial first impression that first touch point that building that that very first trust I think that first interaction that's something that kind of gets its own special class in my mind um, especially when we're talking about diversity and science communication in general So I have a I have a quick one a more type of a wrapping up type of question so what do you guys see uh, science communication going in the foreseeable future? Where do you want to take it since you're doing it yourself? Latino Lab specifically needs to put out all the episodes we have recorded. That's probably my fault because I need to do that. But uh, we'll put, you know, we'll, we'll do that uh, very soon. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be hopefully more of more diversity in both the speakers but the type like i feel like it's a it's still a format that is very rigid you know like and i feel like we need more creative science communication and as the field now seems to be growing um i like i'm excited to see more different approaches and approaches that that go to connect with like the people not just kind of one directional i think like we're still too one directional and 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 i would like to see more of like you know community-based scientists and like citizen scientists but like but in a way that 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 people can take ownership and have questions and i don't exactly know what it's going to look like but that's that's what i would yeah, like to Nicole, see. i totally this is sherry i totally agree with you we um our attitude general science communication and in general the world attitude whoever is interested in sci science communication they still view it as a mass communication Endeavor and all, if you look at training programs, they're all geared towards writing press releases, op-eds, or whatever. Where I think will um, benefit science in general to do more focused, small-scale, community-based uh, SciComm, and the community doesn't have to be uh, a big community. Uh, it could be in your friends and family. As long as scientists are trained how to speak with people, how to communicate their science in a way that is not condescending and clear and respectful and empathetic, 
there are so many of us that even if each of us communicates with people around us, that's a big force. That's grassroots. And I, I want to just extend on that in terms of my own, you know, my interest in, in science communication. I'm really interested not just in sort of the, the scientist to citizen communication dynamics, sort of a top-down approach, um, you know, because there's a lot there, you know, that we obviously are working on, you know, right now in science communication as well. But um, like what Sherry said, too, it's the, the citizen to citizen communication. I'm really interested in the idea of civil dialogue about science and have been um, the idea about bringing in you know, a range of perspectives, whether it's, you know, and a range of ideological views, and how do you come to some sort of shared understanding and build that trusting relationship and that sort of sense of shared commonality, and then build up from there, because it's not about kind of going into a conversation and trying to reach consensus, because that's going to be really hard to do, especially with people that have very much differing views. And so I'm really interested in that aspect of how do you cultivate that civil dialogue about science and about other polarized issues and come to that sense of shared, you know, shared something shared in between, um, because that's where we start to build trust and really start to repair the tear that's in the fabric of society. And I think that that's going to be something that's really beneficial across the board, but also particularly for science. That's leaving a lot of food for thought, isn't it? <laughs> well, since we're about to wrap up, I would like to give uh, the guys from Latino Labs to Nico and to Andrea the chance to uh, do their call for action. If there's anything related to your account right now that you're looking to do or to some other activity that you feel closely related or engaged with, just share it. Now, now it's the time. <laughs> so this is, this is our time for uh, a new advertisement bit. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, no, as we were saying, we actually have, have um, put out now two episodes that are bilingual. And those are a lot of work. They're, they have interviews and et cetera. And then we have a third one coming on. But then we decided to start a new series called Café con Science, which is uh, basically just us taking our coffee break in, you know, once a week and chatting about whatever interesting article we find online on how do we know there's no... There hasn't been any industrial civilization on Earth before us to um, what is the impact of climate change of Puerto Rican coffee. And, and those are, we always try to make them sort of they're only 20, 30 minutes long. So we encourage people to just subscribe to Latino Labs on, you know, iTunes or, or Google Play or, or on SoundCloud or wherever they listen to podcasts. And if they really like it to support our kind of uh, project on uh, patreon.com slash Latino Labs. Um, because the project is not only the product, but, you know, just as like our podcast is a podcast about the humanity of doing science, the project is about the humans doing the podcast. So the idea is we want to expand our community and give opportunities uh, for other young Latinx scientists and just scientists in general to um, train their science communication um, uh, skills by being a co-host in our podcast. So uh, if you like the project just support us at patreon.com slash latino labs subscribe then our website is uh, latinolabs.org brilliant thanks so i know what i'm doing after we finish recording <laughs> okay guys thank you very much for participating in this and um keep us posted about your activities in the future so we can always have you back on the podcast or on a twitter chat whenever there's something interesting happening so it would be nice to build our own community together uh, and expand 
uh, our joint abilities to reach people and, and make things happen with science communication. All right. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. This was wonderful. And we really do support your mission. We enjoyed hearing more about what you're working on. Definitely. In the meantime, for the listeners of our own podcast, um, our next Twitter chat will probably happen in August. In July, we've kept for celebrating our uh, birthday where you would be seeing um, videos, uh, getting to know the team of the SciComm JC podcast. They'll be shared at uh, our Twitter account, SciComm underscore JC and new TV channel on Instagram. So follow the uh, space for more updates from that and always if you have any ideas get in touch with us drop us a message either on our website or on twitter or on instagram when we're always open for ideas and suggestions and in the meantime stay nerdy